and they started reading it and they were just sitting down, white people, black people, Asian people, everybody was sitting down. And I was like, wow, you know, ghetto bastard is just not my story because it's a story about life. It's everybody's story. Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application form at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hi, and welcome back to the My Future Business Show. My name's Rick Nusky. I am your host. I'm also the luckiest man on this earth to be able to be your host and to speak with some incredible guests. And with that being said, I'm on the line with Russell Van. Welcome to the show, Russell. Thank you for having me, Rick. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. I've been looking forward to this call, Russell. Now, uh, for everybody who doesn't know much about Russell, you sh- you soon will. He is the author of uh, Amazon number one bestseller book series called Ghetto Bastard. Uh, it started off with your memoir, and we're going to be taking a deep dive into that. Uh, in fact, all of your books, and uh, you're currently writing some new material, so that's very exciting. Um, but what we like to do, Russell, is we, we normally take a bit of a, I guess, step to the side and um, primarily look at your life. So um, where are you located? Where do you live? Where's home for you? Well, right now it's, it's Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Fantastic. And obviously you have not lived there all your life, given the, your backstory. No, I've only been here for about 20 years. Yeah, fantastic. What do you like about the place? Uh, well, well, it's a little bit more laid back. You know, New York is a very fast pace. And, oh, yeah. You know, snap, snap. Here it's uh it's a little more laid back. Uh, you can get a lot more things done. Little, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, yep. So and 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 I can say that the dollar goes a lot more further. <laughs> <laughs> and that's always very helpful. I can I can attest to that. Go. Now I now I know that uh, writing books is uh, takes a, a special type of individual. Um, I've had lots of book authors on the show, and I've got a very special uh, place on the on the show for them. And I'd love to talk with you about um, uh, why it is that you decided to write Ghetto Bastard and wind back uh, time, if you like. Um, but before we do any of that, nowadays life is uh, good, and I'd love to learn from you, if we could, Russell. What sort of things you like to do in your relaxation time? Do you have downtime? Well, my downtime, I like, I'm, I'm very analytical. Right. I just like to, I like to think a lot. I like to spend a lot of time with my family. Um, I'm just always thinking about ways of uh, bringing what, what I, I would say generational wealth to the family so that my children and my grandchildren won't have to go through the things that I went through in life and that we can have some kind of financial independence. Yep. So I, I think about those things wholeheartedly because I'm getting older. Oh, yeah, and, we all. In, in my mind, uh, you know, time is running out. So you got to get <laughs> and, and basically, I'm, I'm a basic person like that. You know, I spend a lot of time at home. I'm not I'm not out doing a lot of things. I'm yep. home. I'm, I'm, I'm say, working mentally on my book, what mm-hmm. I want to write, what I want to reveal, uh, how to get that marketing out there, what's the best plans possible. Those things are, uh, takes up a lot of my time consumption, you know, consumed a lot of my time. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you for sharing. Now, uh, let's learn a little bit about uh, your wonderful family. Um, you obviously spent a lot of time investing in their development. You've I've got a lot to share um, from your own life's experience. What are some of the things that you like to, to teach the younger generation? What are some of the fundamentals, do you think? 
Are you talking about my children or the younger, younger no, generation? Well, no, both. Any, any, anybody who is in the younger generation, what would you say to them? What are the foundational well, things that you, you have? You know, learned? the younger generation, they're not, because you seem like you're about my age. But, um, and in the, I don't mean to offend you if you're about No, younger. you're a young pup yeah. then. <laughs> yeah. But um, the younger generation, I don't know. I just think a lot of the things that they're, they're reading, they're looking at on TV, they're listening to as far as music is concerned, is really taking them 10, 20 years back. Yeah. I mean, just the way that it sexually objectifies women, yes. the way that um, it just, it, just everything, the things that it, they, they promote. Like, I listen to a lot of old music, and, and what's so funny is I listen to all kind of music. Mm-hmm. I like soft like, and from the seventies, I like yeah, soft yeah. rock, seventies music. Yep. You know, America. You know, yeah, yeah. Horseman, you know yeah, yeah. all of that stuff. And uh, you know, and, and, and I like the earlier rap music where mm-hmm. it was the Sugar Hill Gang, and and the people was just talking about dressing nice and driving nice cars. You know, it wasn't talking about killing each other and, yeah. and, and, and drugs and all of those different things like that. So, if anything, I wanted to would instill, and I think I instilled it in my children, is just family values. Yeah, have respect yeah. for each other and there's a time and a place for everything but have some decency you know what I mean? today yeah, yeah. people just don't care they don't have any moral integrity anymore i don't think you know what i mean they, Absolutely. they just put it all out there there's nothing left to the imagination anymore and it's funny because i think about what you're saying uh, russell and i think about marketing and how marketers have a lot to be accountable for would you agree with that Absolutely, absolutely. If they will, there's a narrative and they're trying to sell it and if they're going to buy it, but I think what they market to is younger people because younger people have a longer lifespan. So that's the, that's the, that's the ideal customer because you're going to keep them on the hook for a long time. That's what I'm thinking there. They're picturing in their minds yeah. because that's what they're catering to. Because people like us look at the look at the stuff that they have now and be like, "What is this garbage?" Yeah, it's like a silent uh, war, isn't it? That we're always battling against for our children's sake and the younger generation's sake. Is saying, "Look, we've walked this road before you. How about you think about these decisions before you make them?" Have you ever had those tough sort of conversations? Absolutely, but you know, I got to be honest. I guess people have said that to me when I was younger too. Yeah, and I didn't yeah. Want to- so maybe tell the truth. Maybe that's just the course of nature that things are supposed to go that way. Yep. Because when we become older, I guess a lot of us say, "Man, I wish I had the same. I wish I had this mind when I was younger." But of course, you can't have that you because can't. this mind was developed between trial and error and, and 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 different things that you went through in life. But let's be honest. No matter what, <laughs> what we say. When we were younger, we didn't listen. We no, were no. <laughs> and no matter how much I put down uh, whatever I'm saying about the, the music and the industry and the different things that are going on today, when different music came out back in when rock and roll first came out, people that were listening to Lawrence Welk and, and, and different you know people like that were saying, what is this garbage? What is this music? <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. We, we have to always allow the, 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 uh, our, our, our generations ahead to experience the same things and give them the same chances and opportunities that we have, even though we might not agree with it. No, no. <laughs> it's still give them the opportunity. Yeah, well, that's sage advice because, you know, it's. I remember trying to talk to my children saying, hey, look, don't touch the hot water, it'll burn you. They don't listen. They go and burn themselves and they don't do it again, do they? <laughs> hey, there you go. There you go. 
<laughs> now, Russell, I noticed you have uh, an aquarium behind you. Are you the one who maintains that aquarium? Are they the only pets you have? I got have? three of them. I wish I could show you the other one. This is a, this is the medium-sized one. Any um, piranhas in the house? No. You know what? You know what's so funny that you, you say that, Rick? It, it's funny because just like we're talking about younger people and growing yes. over, right now I'm 53. Yep. And... When I was younger, I've had fish all my life. I don't know what it is about. I just, I just love it. I love taking care of them. I love them too. Chemical, I used to have axolotls. You know what axolotls are? Yeah, but a lot of people. Say that again, I'm sorry. I used to have axolotls. You know? Oh, no, I never heard of those. Like, what I would, yeah. Back in the day, I had piranhas. Oh, yeah. And oxfords and uh, pakus and those big, giant, aggressive oh, yeah. fish. And, you know, fish that eat the goldfish and stuff like that. <laughs> and, you know, with fish... With keeping aquariums, it's a learning process. You can't believe the stuff you see on TV. Like, you know, you ain't got to change the filters every 30 days. Uh, <laughs> That's like the money grab, you know. Yeah, yeah. But as I became older, I wanted more, I wanted beautiful but docile fish. Yeah. So then I started messing with the koi. So I have a big koi tank over here. You can't see it right now, but it's about 200 <laughs> gallons. Uh, and they're koi. And they're the giant goldfish. They turn into, you know, big goldfish. They're the butterfly yeah, yeah. koi. Oh, beautiful. And they have big giant wings and, you know, and they, I don't even have a top on the tank. And there's about 10 of them in the tank and they're floating around and they're nice and they're friendly and nobody's yeah. attacking each other. Yeah. I'm like, well, you know, maybe that, that's, that's showing the way that I've progressed a little bit in life. And then my tank back here, it's a, it's a community tank. So it has tiger bobs and a couple <laughs> other things there. And nobody's, look, I don't even have a top on it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, beautiful. So, because nobody's, a, you know, when you have those piranhas and those Oscars and every oh, yeah. other kind of, they be chasing each other and then you come in and, and they lay it out on the floor. You're like, oh, man. A, a couple I don't times, need this. <laughs> right? A couple of times, the fish, I'm, I'm listening because, you know, I got cats too, you know. And a couple of times, I'm hearing something in the, the, the fish and jumping out the tank and the cat takes Oh, I was just it. about to cry. I mean, you know, we don't need all, we need all that stuff. I like that now. So you you seem to me that, you know, you you need that quiet place, you know, that bit of um downtime. And I do too. Is that your quiet place? Do you just look into those aquariums and you, you forget who you are for a while? Uh you know, I have I have these three aquariums. I have two cats, I have two puppies that I just got. They they're not puppies now, they've been six months, but they're bigger dogs. What are they? Um I have plants, all of these things that are natural. I, I like taking care of things. And I when people like people who don't have animals or don't take care of plants, what they don't understand is that those things uh give out energy. Yes. Positive energy, yes. loving energy, love unconditional it. love, love especially it. animals when oh, you yeah. have them. So those are my, in my family, of course, you know, of course. But, you know, your family can get mad at you, the dogs and the cats and the fish, and the fish they always don't love it. You know what I mean? As long as you feed them. <laughs> right, there you go. But that, exactly, because they'll eat you if not. But um, that, that positive energy, and that that's that's my sanctuary right there. All of them combined, that energy, you know, that's, that's what I feed off of. That's, that's what makes me grow. Now, I love this story. I love the fact that you've opened your doors to the My Future Business audience and uh, sharing a little bit about your, your life with us. And thank you for that. I, I want to go back into earlier days and I want to um, hopefully uncover something in your childhood memories that you remember fondly of. Do you have any childhood memories that you think fondly of? Just one. Um, well, my, you know, my great grandmother raised me. Mm hmm. And, um, 
before I used to be, I used to go to bed at night, she would always give me a snack. Yes. And sometimes we would go to, even when we would go to the supermarket, I was able to pick out some kind of snack. It'd be a bag of licorice, <laughs> you know, some kind of candy, if it was a nice something. But that was a snack that before I would go to bed, I would, candy or whatever. I mean, she was old school, but, you know, she spoiled me a little bit. And she would, you know, that was my snack and whatever it was, you know. Now, unless I got in trouble, then I wasn't getting the snack that night. <laughs> but that, that, was really, that was always like that little thing. What's my snack tonight? And I already knew, you know, and, I, if, and, and licorice to this day is like my favorite candy. Now it's Twizzlers, but they just called it licorice. They <laughs> yeah. called it licorice back then. Now they call it Twizzlers. You yeah, know, yeah. Name. And, um, and I used to get that. And sometimes I used to put it in the freezer. And I used to wait. They <laughs> didn't give me the whole pack. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And that, that was like a farm, you know, just just something you could rely on at night. You know, it's it's like, you know, I always say to my wife and my kids sometimes, I say because I have a, a grandchild and sometimes mm-hmm. I have to say to my daughter, you know, as you become older, you realize we don't really get that long to be children. No. If you don't. really think about it in the no. big scheme of things, you know, we live to be 60, 70, 80, whatever. Yeah. What do you get a good maybe... 10, 12 years to be a kid. Oh, I'm yeah. going to say 10. So to true. be a kid, yeah. Yeah. you know, believing in Santa Claus and all that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. Oh, so look. the time that we do got that, man, you know, let, let's try to make it precious for him. So those time, that little time was precious because at that time when she used to do that, that was the time that I did believe in Santa Claus. Oh, you yeah, know? but you know what? These are the formative years, uh, Russell, and she gave you some foundation and some memories there. She's embedded some things into your memory that you could never get rid of, that you never want to get rid of. And it makes me start to think about mentors and role models in those formative years. Who was who was around you, male role models, do you think, at that time when you were growing up? Nobody good. Nobody good, and this is probably nobody good, which is exactly why I made all the mistakes yes. that I made. Yeah, and I think I wish you know I look back and I say, and it, with a little bit of jealousy, to be honest. I mean, we be honest here, right? Mm. I wish that I had a mother and father who loved me mm-hmm. and nurtured me, and had, and I wish I had that love. I had love. My great-great-grandmother now, you can imagine that, my yeah, grandfather yeah. mother raised me, but my, you know, to 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 have a mother and father's love, that genuine love, you know, be able to sleep in between them and that security and that support and growing up. See, I never had that and I'm not doing bad. No. But I'm just saying, so, wow, if I had that, what I could have been, maybe, you know, but yeah, all yeah. things were God's plan. But I just think about those things sometimes. Yeah, absolutely, and I would too. Um, you know, there's. Uh, I think everybody has a story, and this one's certainly uh, a, a tough one. Uh, you you wrote Ghetto Bastard in what year? When when did you write the first book? Now this is so funny. All right, when I initially was going to start this book was in 1994. Oh wow, just a little while ago. 1994, and I wrote maybe about I'm going to say about 20 pages, and then all of that stuff got blown up in the car. That's in the book, you know. So, <laughs> since 2013, um, head on, I went right into it, and uh, and it, 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 it was successful. I, I mean, I really went into it, and, and what I had to understand was, first I went into it, I was trying to get someone to do it for me, like the dictator and all that stuff. I didn't have enough confidence in myself. Mm-hmm. And then one day, 
some people crossed me. They did a few things that wasn't right. And, you know, I just got to a point, you know, I just don't want to be dependent on anyone anymore. Yeah. I want to be dependent on myself, God yeah. and myself. And I just said, you know what? Bump this. I could do this. <laughs> I didn't say bump. I don't know what language you use on show. It doesn't matter. I said, bump this. I could do this. And then I just started doing it. And, hey, here we are, three books and halfway through four, a quarter through four. And it's been successful. It's been very well. It can do better. But just the way that we just introduced it, we did the, we, 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 we went through it properly. We had it edited right. Because a few people that read it, you know, because usually readers are readers. Yeah, they can yeah. tell them what it right. If you spaced it out right, if you took time with it, yep. you know. And what was so amazing is that it would had such a great crossover effect because we went to, a, I went on a little bit of a tour mm -hmm. and we did a lot of book fairs. Yep. Little towns I didn't even know about. And a lot of people who weren't black. Because since when you first look at the title, the first sometimes people are gonna think about, oh, that's one of the old ghetto urban books, blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And when you start mm -hmm. to read it, you're like, oh wow, it's not that. And that's what I got from people, and they started reading it, and they were just sitting down, white people, black people, Asian everybody. people, everybody was sitting down. And I was like, wow, you know, ghetto bastard is just not my story because it's a story about life. Yep. It's everybody's story. Yep, absolutely. Thank you. I um I wonder when you started to realize that first that moment in time, Russell, when somebody gave you that initial feedback and it was and it was good feedback about your book and it was influencing their life and how they were thinking. How did that make you feel? Um, torn, happy. I was like, I was just saying to myself. I said, I was saying to my wife because you know she's my best friend and everything else. Mm. I was saying, I got something here. I mean, I think this, this, this is real because at first it was sort of kind of a therapy. And like I said, I started it with someone else and they did some stuff to mm -hmm. me. But then when I started writing it and I realized, wow, you just got to let it all out there because that's what good writing is. When you put it all out there and you're not sugarcoating and you're telling the truth and then people, all kind of people can read it and someone's going to get something out of it mm. because it's not just a black story, a male story, an urban story, a ghetto bastard story. It's a human story. It's a human story. And that's yeah. what, right. And that's, that's, that's what I think the draw of it. And that's what I was trying to get out of it. And that's what I'm getting out of it. Now. Yeah. I, before, I've seen excerpts of it and uh -huh. uh, I've read the excerpts and uh, you've got three in the series. Tell us a little bit about the, the, the one that you currently writing is it called an american story is that what it's, it's called? called the american dream american dream that was called the american dream and it just brings everything full circle but what it really demonstrates is america because i love america mm -hmm. <laughs> okay i'm gonna tell you i don't care what Anybody says, what is warts and all? Okay. <laughs> we all got them. <laughs> right? Nobody's perfect. No. Okay. But I come from uh, the most, one of the most, I mean, Mott Haven section of the Bronx. If anybody knows anything about it, and it's still like that. And it was like that 50 years ago. Yeah. One of the most drug infested, murderous places, poorest places in the world. Okay. And I was able to make it out of there, 
not without any scars, but I was able to make it out of there and live where I live, have a family, didn't go to jail. I'm not a drug addict. I don't have to kill nobody. Nobody's trying to kill me. Got a couple of stab wounds from back in the Bronx days. But, um, part, the, but part of the course. That's, that's the American dream. And the American dream is that if you work hard, you can be what you want to be. All you got to do is work hard. You know, I, 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 like I said, I'm very analytical. And I always hear people talk about how these jobs aren't available. I can't make money. I can't do that. I've lived in Pennsylvania for about 20 years now. For the first 10, I worked two jobs constantly because I needed to raise, I needed to take care of my family. If people want to work, there's jobs out there. If you got to take care of your family, there's no time for your pride to be in there. If you got to work at Burger King in the daytime, McDonald's at night, and Kentucky Fried Chicken on the weekends to make ends meet, then that was, that's what you do. Mm. Hard work and perseverance is always going to get you ahead. And that's what America is about. And that's what that book is about. It's about no matter what, no matter if they kick you, no matter how many times people kick you, no matter how many times you fall, as long as you can get back up and wake up in the morning, there's still an opportunity because America is the land of opportunity. But everybody, a ghetto bastard like me, everybody and anybody, America is the American dream. To live the American dream, to be able to work hard and take care of your family and give your children maybe maybe it's just a step up but a little more than what you had you know what the thing that i took off, took away from what you've just shared is that um we have to be aware of um i guess the younger generation not not all of them but a, a percentage of them have an entitlement attitude you've talked about hard work have you seen that entitlement attitude um, you know, permeate society. You know, I expect this. I've just come out of school and I expect everything to be on a gold plate for me. Um, and what would you say to that type of person who's not willing to do the hard work? Well, you know, the Bible says a man, a man that does not work is not going to eat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So now, and, and, and it's so funny with the political climate that's going on and they're talking about universal uh income or something like that yep. you know with something a thousand dollars a month or something you know and i was just having this conversation with someone the other day if you're the type of person you can give people a thousand dollars a month mm -hmm. okay if they want to get ahead they still going to get another job because they're saying a thousand dollars a month is just going to be for everybody that's just going to be like hey it's there you know there you so go. if you're the type of person who wants to get ahead that thousand dollar a month is just going to add to you trying to strive and get ahead in life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're going to work. You're going to get a job. You're going to build your wealth. You're going to buy things. You're going to invest. You're gonna, if you're a lazy bastard, you're just <laughs> going to take that thousand dollars a month. You're going to sit on your ass, get your drugs, get high, and 30, 40 years from now, you're going to be sitting up there going, "Hey, I ain't got nothing. Yeah. I'm living in the projects. I'm poor." Imagine I that. Know, and blaming everybody for everything. So listen, either you a worker. You know what I mean? You want to get ahead or you don't. You know what I'm saying? I think my issue today with people is you want to, they want to um, be disgruntled against people who have gotten ahead, but you don't know what those people had to do to get ahead. You know, yeah. you did this end result. So all these people, all these children out here that think they're in for entitlement, they're in for a rude awakening because <laughs> the parents aren't going because they, they got to get old. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? That's, that's yeah, yeah. It comes back to our story at the start, doesn't it? 
and you can get out there in the world. See, the, your parents can cuddle you, but the world isn't. No, it won't. They're going to wake your ass up real quick. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wonder, you, you talked about uh, uh, religion earlier. I wonder, um, what does a, a typical day look like for you, Russell? What's, what's your routine include? How do you look after uh, yourself? Get up in the morning, uh, pray. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, just think about uh, what I want to do as far as uh, my plans in life, how, how, how we want to get ahead, what's going on. Mm -hmm. uh, I go to work for eight hours, yep. and then I come back home, and, yep. then I go to sleep, and I start it over again. Um, I jot down little ideas in my book, memories that I have that, mm -hmm. you know, how I want to fragment the book. And uh, we have some things going on um, in Atlanta as far as screenplays um, happening. And, you know, I'm working a lot on trying to now promote the book. Um, so I'm just looking at different avenues right now. So right now, that's what dominates my time during the days. Yeah, fantastic. Now, so what are the plans for the next year? Um, is it all book writing? Do you have any plans to do anything else? I know that there's a lot going on with the pandemic. And I wonder, how is that affecting you guys locally? Uh, well, the book writing, I can do. I Whenever. do that. A lot of in my mind, yeah, and, yeah. you know, whenever it comes up, you know how book writing is, you just mm -hmm. don't, sometimes you get those first The moments. You know, <laughs> moments. But uh, we have a screenplay in uh, what they call a treatment um, being uh, written for the book uh, in Atlanta. So um, I have a friend of mine who um, was an actor, he, he is an actor, but uh, he had a little, little bit of influence. So mm -hmm. uh, kind of connected with him. He connected us with some people. And uh, so that's one avenue that uh, we're going down. Uh, yep. And they're looking at maybe Netflix and uh, Hulu and, and different avenues to try to pitch it uh, maybe as a series because I, I thought it would be too too long uh, for a movie. Yeah. So, <laughs> There's certainly that, a lot that, of content. That, I, that's one avenue that we're, we're going down. And then we're also... Um, looking into uh, a little more marketing, trying to a, a little massive advertisement um, and, and, and different avenues of, of, of um, advertising and putting the book out just a little bit more. Um, also, I'm gonna be um, coming out and doing a lot more of these interviews um, like we're doing Fantastic. right now. Yeah. Uh, before we were doing uh, the different tours and I got a good response and, 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 and good good sales actually from mm -hmm. just selling hand to hand. Mm -hmm. So. Um, just like I said, just just, just looking at uh, all the opportunities that are available, I think if we just put the, the proper effort forward, um, it can be very successful. I wish you all the very best, and I hope that the My Future Business uh, interview audience can help you gain that momentum that you so uh, deserve. Now, um, in, uh, importantly, at the pointy end of the call, Russell, um, when people want to buy it, or at least want to learn more about your book series, um, where do they go? Where can they uh, you can go. Um, you can go to ghettobastard.com, mm -hmm. and you can also go to Amazon and Amazon Russell Van Ghetto Bastard. It'll come right up. Um, if you go to ghettobastard.com, they actually have a young lady who's reading a transcript of the first. Yes, I chapter. noticed that. Oh, did you see that? Yeah, okay. I, I listened to it. Yeah. So they can go to ghettobastard.com, or they can go to Amazon. And uh, right now, we're having a. a, a a, 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 a sale, yeah, yeah. Uh, the evil for ninety nine cent. Fantastic, right? So uh, yeah, they can go to those areas and find them, and uh, um, 
like I said, uh, they, if they didn't see it, that's what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> wonderful. And that's, uh, uh, I'm assuming that's you on the cover? No, and it's so funny. That's actually my grandson. Oh, wow. I'm so glad so I asked that. You got to read the book to find out. So you got to read the book yeah, to find out. Yeah, you got to find oh. out. No, look, I never assume anything. That's two, and then that one is three. And, uh, yeah. Who did the who did the uh, wonderful artwork, the cover work on that? Uh, it was 69 books. 69 books. Lisa Saracini. Sarasoli. Very she's, skilled. She's a, former, she's a fair, uh, former actress uh, also. And uh, uh, she's gonna be working on me with the, the fourth one, um, also. And we we jived real good. And uh, she she got she got the way what I wanted. Yeah. And um, it, it it went on very good. And I wanted the picture of my grandson because people look at the book and look at the title, and people's uh, bias set in. Uh huh. Because they're looking at the picture and they're saying, "Well, what is he?" You know uh-huh. what I mean? Yep. Is he white? Is he black? Is he what? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. When you say ghetto bastard, and people automatically think it's going to be one of those urban ghetto books. But it's much more than that. That's what draws that 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 curiosity. And then when they hit that first page, which you've read it, mm-hmm. they can't put it down. No, look, um, if the uh, and I know this for a fact, if the covers, if the content is like anything like the quality of the covers, everybody who is uh, going to pick up these wonderful book series is in for a treat. And uh, with that, if you're on the call today, no matter where you find this interview, this post below there somewhere, you will find ghettobastard.com, the URL link. Just click on through and have a look at uh, Russell's book series. And with all that uh, being said, Russell, I've had just such a wonderful time spending some time with you on the My Future Business Show today. Thank you, Rick. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the call, then make sure to subscribe, leave a comment, share us with your friends and book your spot on the show at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. And if you're looking for solutions that will help grow your business, then visit myfuturebusiness.com forward slash shop.